Welcome to Brain Love Podcast. My name is Dash McIntyre. And my name is Adrian Pope. And today we're going to be talking about the first presidential debate that occurred yesterday for us at time of publishing or uh, recording this podcast. Um, just to set it off, I think one thing leading up to the debate that's funny is Rudy Giuliani came out on Fox News the morning of the debate and uh, was saying that he's certain that Biden is using Adderall, <laughs> you know, to like, it's the kind of theme that Joe Biden is brain dead and that uh, Biden is certainly using Adderall and everybody immediately made fun of Rudy Giuliani, even the Fox News host who was on Fox and Friends. And uh, the Fox and Friends hosts were looking at Rudy like he was, they were kind of quiet and just looking like, oh my God, Rudy's losing it. So then the hashtag buy Rudy was going on and uh, <laughs> everyone was kind of joking of the fact that because Rudy came out so forcefully to accuse Joe Biden of using Adderall certainly lends credence to the idea that Trump is using Adderall. And of course, you know, many people have uh, alleged that <laughs> going, you know, that Trump's been using it for decades. It's alleged, kind of but then you you can't uh, help but kind of think it when you hear him sniffling and snorting during, like, uh, not right. just the debate, but when he does, like, big press conferences and stuff. Then he's right. got dilated eyes. He, he appears to be sweating profusely. He talks yeah. really quick. Uh, I've seen yeah, some who videos, knows? too, where uh, little white rocks appear to come out of his nose. <laughs> Have you really? Yeah, That's yeah, there's video? some videos. You know, I don't know if they're totally legit. I've seen many videos alleging that. Certainly, there, uh, there's that guy. He's big on Twitter now. He's a comedian. His name's like Noel something. But he was a producer on The Apprentice, and he he, he alleges all kinds of crazy stuff going on in Trump's life back then. Uh, but at, snorting Adderall was a big one. <laughs> it's a well, big thing that a, he says. What a funny thought, too, because if you look at like the crazy man kind of geopolitics figures that some of our politicians in the past, like Nixon famously wanted to seem a little crazy to get what he wants in politics. Trump, no doubt, you know, some of uh, Trump's dealings with other countries, they probably thought it was to his advantage that he was a little crazy. It's like, what if we just gave American presidents and, uh, you know, potential presidents the, uh, you know, the version of uh, performance enhancing drugs? <laughs> That'd be an interesting yeah. way to govern right. our country. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but heading into the debate, I think just to set it up as well, um, Trump is losing this election. The polls are not going well for him. Uh, he's running out of time. There's only about a month. There's just over like four weeks, maybe five weeks until the election. So Trump kind of really needs something uh, to turn this race around. Do you think the debate last night uh, turned things around for Trump? No, the important thing to, to remember is that Trump is losing pretty bad, especially in a lot of the swing states he needs to win. Uh, almost certainly he's losing pretty big in the popular vote. So, the you know, a lot of people I keep hearing saying, uh, you know, that debate didn't help anybody. But if it didn't help anybody, it means Biden, you know, came out on top because he's winning. If it didn't hurt Biden, then he's still going to keep his lead. And, you know, a lot of people are saying, you know, Trump looked ridiculous. So that's not going to help Trump. So, you know, maybe the the tie goes to the person who's not the incumbent since already uh, the last couple elections, a lot of the election has been kind of a referendum on the incumbent. And, you know, who the guy is running is almost like an afterthought. You know, I think a lot of voters out there would rather just get rid of Trump than even care who had the D next to their name, you know? Yeah. Uh, in general, the debate was uh, roundly criticized by just about every pundit, uh, especially on Twitter. You got a lot of comments of like America lost the debate <laughs> more than Donald Trump or Joe Biden. Uh, Jake Tapper of CNN. But that's a funny thing. I kind of I was thinking about that a lot. And it's like, yeah, you could say America lost in that debate. But I don't know if I agree, because I mean, Donald Trump's been president for four years. So, you know, the fact that we saw Trump being Trump. I mean, is that a bigger loss than the last three and a half years he's been president? I don't think anyone's yeah. surprised that Trump right. is that way. And What's I don't think, worse, this debate or the yeah. fact that we elected Trump in the first place? Well, and especially our like NATO, European, you know, world allies. Um, you know, I don't think they think any less of America after watching because, you know, they watched the debate, too. Uh, I don't think they think any less of America. I mean, we still have had Trump for president for three years. I mean, not that much right. has changed. 
Um, I, I've been wondering about this because, you know, everyone knows there's like Russian collusion going on and they're like meddling uh, in the election. And certainly we've kind of like discovered in various court cases and lawsuits and investigations that, uh, you know, people like Roger Stone and Paul Manafort were in fact colluding with Russia. But I mean, coming up into this election, now that we're getting to the wire, do you think like what? I mean, they've done studies that show Iran is doing some social media meddling. China probably is, too. Do you think there's any meddling going on with like some of our Western European allies for Biden? The kind of thought is that like Iran is trying to get Biden elected because Iran hates Trump. Um, China, I've heard, is trying to get Biden elected. But that one seems a little harder to believe, because I think if I think if any country's benefiting right now from Trump kind of ruining America's reputation, it's China. Given that Trump, you know, he's doing this like kind of pseudo trade war, um, but he's not really do he's not standing up to China on their human rights violations. He's not saying anything about the concentration camps with the Uyghur Muslims, uh, that, that situation that's going on. Like, if anything, China's benefiting right now because America is not being the, you know, the kind of bastion of human rights and, you know, freedom well, and democracy yeah. as we usually I think- are. I think Iran would obviously be happier with a Biden pr- being president. Um, obviously, that would be more rational for our Iran, Iran policy if Biden was president. Uh, I mean, to what extent they're able to kind of take advantage of our... I mean, really, what we have in America and other Western countries is that, you know, countries like Iran, Russia, and China, uh, we basically give them a free advantage because we're so open, right? We release yeah, tons right. of information... Uh, you know, you know, China and Russia don't have like a freedom of information type act where any individual can just ask the government a question and the government is basically obligated to give the answer or information related to it. Uh, unless and they certainly don't have First Amendment rights where you can exactly. literally talk shit all day. <laughs> yeah, you'll get so arrested I mean, and imprisoned and beat up and murdered. And uh, yeah, I mean, if you want to look in a geopolitical sense, like you know, we kind of have one hand behind our back in this fight because we're open societies and because we have certain freedoms that people in those countries don't have, especially in regards right. to the political system. Uh, but what you're saying with China is, uh, even though you know China doesn't like the trade war with Trump, obviously the trade war is stupid. Trump doesn't even understand economic policy. He doesn't understand how tariffs work. But I mean, our relationship with China is so many facets. So while you know Biden, if he was president, might come down harder on the Trump, uh, sorry, on harder on China for you know their internment and concentration camps of Uyghurs, there's a number uh, of other issues China would probably prefer Biden on. Uh, and, you know, to what degree they're trying to hack stuff in favor of him, I guess, well, you know, what we will or will not find uh, is unfortunately hard to say because the intelligence community, the people running it who are the Trump appointees have politicized it so much. They're only going to release information that's favorable to Trump. So, like, whether or not they even find anything that's credible or proven, you know, it's only half the side of the story. And that half is whatever benefits Trump. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Speaking of that, like right before the debate earlier in the day, uh, the director of national intelligence, <laughs> a real Trump lackey, released that uh, that Ru- it was like a Russian memo or something where they basically uh, said that Hillary Clinton was maybe colluding or starting the investigations with Russia to like screw with the election and that Hillary Clinton was the colluder. And like in the report that they released, it said that, you know, this might be Russian propaganda and we don't know if it's true or not, but they still uh, released it. So, you know, like your point of politicizing uh, national security and our intelligence gathering, can you get more politicized than the day of the debate releasing something that in the release they say, hey, we don't know if this is real or not, but they just, you know, shove it out into the public anyway to hurt Biden theoretically or help Trump. Well, that's the thing, too. And, and, and this is something like, you know, who among independents or people who are, you know, people who don't follow politics hour to hour? Like I, for example, read the news multiple times a day. I'm on Twitter looking at stuff and I don't even pay attention or care, you know, what the director of intelligence of X, Y and Z institutions actually put out. I don't even care. I don't read it. So if I'm not reading it and I don't care, I think the good thing is and the benefit for Democrats is that only the diehard, you know, Fox News watchers and far right wing 
uh, internet bloggers care about that kind of thing. No, and but I disagree be talking with you about it because right now Facebook has like a huge right wing kind of like echo chamber because the logarithms on Facebook are so good at really only showing you things that you'll actually engage with. Um, so but those are the people who are problem. already down the rabbit holes of right wing conspiracy theory and weren't going to vote for Biden anyway. I think. But I mean, it's, I'm talking but more it's, of sure, like a, it's it's sheer amounts of people because you get the people who share all this stuff and then their family and friends are kind of exposed to it, whether or not they're really reading it. But they see the headlines uh, of their friends and family sharing things. And then you get the you know, you get the headline of the uh, the release of the paper makes Hillary look bad and Trump look good. And then, every, you know, all of the Republican Congress people, pundits, but here's the thing, senators, though. they all start tweeting at it and it kind of like gives them the uh, the opportunities say hey look we were you know they're basically lying and it's dishonest and it's terrible integrity but you know it kind of gives them that uh that media win for a day or a week well i don't whatever. know is it a media win because the more you're talking about hillary clinton the less you're talking about joseph biden and like kind of biden talked about last night he, you know he is the democratic party right now so trump can talk for hours about hillary clinton and how is it going to affect the election, right? The people. Well, it goes to the idea who, that, like, Trump always says that Biden and Obama were spying on them illegally and that they should all be locked up and in prison. Like, I do think it has a bigger effect, you know, maybe more indirectly than what I said, but I think it, it has a bigger effect than what, uh, what you were kind of discussing. <laughs> well, this could be a good. Uh... A good transition back to Trump's taxes, which you brought up earlier, because I think like, you know, it's a funny thing. They're saying, oh, uh, the government was spying on our campaign. It's like, well, maybe they should have. Maybe they should be spying on Trump. Trump is clearly uh, I mean, he's got the level of debt that like, you know, a junior sailor or uh, airman or soldier wouldn't be able to get a secret clearance with. Right. Imagine right. if like someone enlisted in the military and they couldn't get a clearance because they have, you know, one hundred and fifty thousand dollars of debt. 200,000, you know, let alone the hundreds of millions of dollars of debt Trump has, which is kind of crazy to think about, because if Trump is reelected, you have to know that he's going to be spending, you know, part, you know, the second half of 2021 and, you know, all of 2022 until his his debts are paid off, worrying about how he's going to pay off these debts. And for the record, we should just say this, that it's kind of I think it's weird that Trump's a billionaire and he owns all these buildings that he hasn't even paid a penny, apparently, on some of the principal of the mortgages he took out. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's got good business sense, like he's got no equity because he already traded it away. Right. And he hasn't he, even paid off. He's the basically principal. living off credit right now. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, like for the record, weird. he's got he's got four hundred and twenty one million dollars in mysterious loans that we know of. This has been disclosed by the New York Times. It got a leak of his uh, tax returns, and he paid seven hundred and fifty dollars in federal income taxes. And he lied. He always lies. You know, he was in like two thousand fourteen or something. He was tweeting insults at Obama for not spending, you know, a, a certain percentage. And he, you know, he claims he he was spending millions and millions in taxes, and that was a lie. In the first debate with Hillary, actually, he said he was spending millions and millions in taxes and he was going to, you know, help the little guy. He said guy. it at the debate last night, too. Yeah, yeah. And he said it again last night. Yeah. Chris Wallace called BS and, you know, Trump just lied. Um, but, uh, yeah, I guess uh, so going back, I guess we can go back to the debate. You know, we always go down these rabbit holes, but we can uh, kind of always. The rabbit holes the are debate. the best part. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so with the debate, I mean, just in general, it was kind of a mess. Uh, Jake Tapper of CNN called it a hot mess inside a dumpster fire inside a train wreck, which is a pretty vivid uh, <laughs> metaphor, I guess. Um, another commentator, uh, I think from 538, said that it was like uncles fighting at Thanksgiving. <laughs> I thought that was a pretty good quote. Um, so let's talk about like Chris Wallace. So Chris Wallace was the moderator. Now, the last interview that Chris Wallace did a couple months ago with Trump was actually pretty good. And uh, Chris did a pretty good job of holding his feet to the fire and calling BS and really hammering issues until Trump, like, uh, you know, keeping keeping on uh, subject. But I mean, this was a mess. Like Chris Wallace could do nothing to keep Trump from interrupting Biden and just, you know, saying, I mean, but, uh, Trump looked like a little schoolyard bully like a little bitch off to the side just muttering things and at one point chris wallace like literally stopped the debate and said you know trump you like you know speaking mostly to trump like you have to follow these rules you agreed to them you know and trump wasn't yeah. following any of them 
Um, like, I think they should just call it, they should, you know, we always joke that, like, Donald Trump is um, uh, the biggest benefactor of political correctness because he gets away with things and people don't say things to him, you know, that people might say to each other in a bar. Because, you right. know, Republicans always talk about, like, oh, he's a great guy to have a beer with or blah, blah, blah. Like, we just want to, we want someone who tells it like it is. So, like, you know, the fact that, uh, um, Biden didn't just turn around and call him an annoying little bitch. I mean, that right there is political correctness. It's uh, in, you know, favoring uh, Trump over uh, everything else, which, you know, I wish, you know, imagine a moderator could say something like that, like you are being annoying or something, because um, that's really what Trump is, is just annoying. He's <laughs> yeah. like a gnat or something. He's a, right. he's a gnat that's just flying around your head repeatedly. Yeah, he is a and, gnat. And I mean, the funny thing is, is like people are talking about why should they do a second debate? It's like, you know, while there should be debates in my mind, it's like they kind of have a point, like it's just going to happen again. Obviously, Trump and his team is not going to agree to conditions where the moderator can turn off his mic, which just means he's going to keep interrupting. And, you know, that's just how Trump is. Yeah, people are commenting on uh, online like a bunch of pundits like, what would you do to Trump? Like put a shock collar around his neck and shock him every time he starts interrupting? <laughs> or would you like, you know, literally cut off the mic? Um, and it's interesting because, you know, Trump... I guess theoretically agreed to the rules of the debate or at least had some involvement of telling his team what he wanted and would not approve of or whatever. So, you know, he had, he clearly had no regard for the rules. Um, and honestly, I thought he looked like a lunatic. I mean, Trump is literally a lunatic off to the side, just saying all of these uh, snide remarks, constantly, you know, attacking Biden in the middle. Like, you know, Biden would start an answer and like literally before the first sentence is up, Trump's interrupting and saying, you know, pretty bitchy things. Um, and it's interesting because, I mean, it wasn't that long ago, relatively, when like, Remember when uh, presidential candidates like wouldn't even campaign because like actually campaigning and telling people to vote for you was kind of like seen beneath the dignity of the job and of gentlemen. Well, are you going back to like the early 1800s, basically? Well, even even into the late 1800s, you know, like Abraham Lincoln didn't really go around campaigning for himself. But it's just interesting because you talk people talk about like this is the worst presidential campaign or the uh, debate in history. And, you know, on one hand, they're probably right. But, like, can you imagine, like, what would be the second worst debate? Well, if you, if you wanted to go back in head. history, if you wanted to go back in history, people actually, like, would, like, nominate their friends and allies and people they thought would be good politicians. And I think if you went back to 2014, I don't think anyone serious would have nominated, you know, Trump and said, yeah, he should run. Only Trump thought that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, probably. I guess there, yeah. probably a lot of people on Twitter were telling him, you should run for president. You're so good at saying Obama's, you know, Kenyan. Because, <laughs> you, yeah. you know, in the Republican Party, that's kind of like, that's what makes you a hero. It's not for, like, any policy or ideas, but it's like getting on TV with a gun for a campaign ad or, you know, saying Obama's a Muslim. <laughs> you know, like, that's, like, really all well, it takes. Well, it's like to... the, the St. Louis couple who got into the RNC simply because <laughs> yeah. they pointed a gun at black people. Right. <laughs> that had to be one of the uh, lamest ways yeah. to get into a national convention in American history. Right. And what, what did you think about the body language of the debate? Because I, I noticed very clearly, like, Biden obviously had, like, his strategy was to not even really engage with Trump or even really look at him. Biden spent almost the entire debate, I guess, looking at Chris Wallace or straight into the camera. And yeah. then, Bi uh, sorry, Trump actually spent most of the debate looking over at Biden and, you know, scowling the whole time. He just had an angry look on his face the entire time. Uh, what did you think of that? Did you think that was a good strategy? I thought it looked kind of weak at first, but then, like, about, like, a third of the way through to halfway through, you know, the the bitchier Trump got Biden looking right at the camera and just kind of like keeping his calm and, uh, you know, collected self looking straight at the camera and talking straight to the American people, I guess. It started looking stronger and stronger, just maybe juxtaposed to Trump's kind of like uh, unprofessionalism and, you know, lack of focus. Yeah, you're right. At first, it, it did seem kind of it looked a little weird, but um yeah, I think it was the uh, sensible thing to do while Trump was just being annoying. And I think uh, his uh, temperament was much uh, better than Trump, obviously. Um, obviously, yeah. I think Biden, you know, in the past has gotten emotional during debates and stuff going back, you know, years and years and years. But I think it was good that he didn't really engage with Trump uh, and, you know, basically just wanted him to shut up for a little bit.
Yeah. Uh, yeah, Biden got one of the great, uh, the most memorable lines of the debate where he literally turned to Trump and just said, will you shut up, man? <laughs> that yeah. was the, I mean, like that, that's kind of what you have to do with Trump. I guess it like ultimately was a good thing because I don't think Biden would win getting into a mud fight and mudslinging. Um, I think that obviously is Trump's strong suit. Well, that's just how, look at Trump, like imagine any... Go back the last couple presidential uh, uh, campaign debates and imagine any of the other two people having to say that to someone. Like, can you imagine Mitt Romney having to say that to Obama or <laughs> yeah. Kerry having to say that to Bush? I mean, you go back, like, think of like, oh, uh, Bill Clinton probably wouldn't have done, you know, had to do that. Um, uh, <laughs> George H.W. Bush, definitely not. Reagan, probably. And, you know, you just go back and back and back and. I think our, you know, Donald Trump as a politician is uh, <laughs> a different level of our typical politician we've had. Right. Uh, critiquing Joe Biden, though, um, I was very, I, you know, I was hope I was really excited ahead of time, hoping that, you know, obviously a lot of the news stories over the week was that Biden was doing a lot of prep and that Trump was not doing much prep. And obviously it kind of showed with Trump, he basically kind of talked and uh, delivered lines like as if it was like a, a rally where no one is there to actually interrupt him and tell him he's just lying and not living in reality. Um, but well, I, I was, was like very, I thought because I thought Trump seemed a little prepared. He, he had memorized some facts because I had read before that he wasn't preparing. He was just going to wing it. But I don't think that was the case at all. He had a couple stories about stuff or not stories, I should say, but examples. He had a couple facts memorized. Obviously, most of what he says is lies, but they, they seem like prepared lies more so than anything. Yeah, because you know, he, he brought Chris up Christie Ohio multiple step in times. And prep. Yeah, I mean, think of how many times he mentioned Ohio, which I'm sure is no surprise since he's, you know, the last couple po polls show him basically statistically tied and, you know, maybe Biden even pulling ahead a little bit. I saw some polls, I think, yesterday on 538. So, I mean, if, you know, everyone's talking about Pennsylvania being a potential swing state, well, it's like if Trump loses Ohio, there's no way in hell he's winning Pennsylvania. Yeah, just in terms of demographics. Well, not even just um, demographics, looking at the 2016 vote, right? Pennsylvania, like Michigan and Wisconsin, were states that Trump barely won, you know what I mean? By a couple 10,000 voters or so. And Ohio, he won pretty resoundingly, right? Yeah. Um, just in general, though, I was very underwhelmed by Joe Biden. Um, I guess, I mean, really, I guess his angle was kind of to focus on the American people and not get in the mud. But I got really frustrated that, like, especially with like the Hunter Biden stuff, because Trump just kept bringing up Hunter Biden. And uh, like how like Joe Biden didn't have some snappy remark for that. Like that is malpractice to not. I don't know if maybe he forgot or got flustered or whatever. But so many times Trump brought up Hunter Biden and the three point five million dollars that obviously is not really true. And it's kind of been discredited by everybody that's not Fox News or like, well, you know, far right uh <laughs> Well, I have a question yeah, for you on that, because um, when Biden was saying that he was getting millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars out of China, what was he talking about? Is there like I, I was not familiar with that storyline that Hunter Biden was somehow. I know he was on a board of some company in uh, Ukraine getting, you know, hundred thousand dollars or something a year or more. But what was going on with Trump accusing him of taking money out of China? Do you know anything about that? Um, no, I don't. <laughs> Yeah, because I was listening. <laughs> it seems to that. unlikely like... that he got hundreds of millions. I don't remember that line specifically, but I mean, obviously, even you know, like most of the Hunter stuff is, uh, you know, it's not it's not great. He was certainly getting jobs because of his dad's position and whatnot. But I mean, again, it's like how did Biden not have some prepared remark to just instantly flip it over to Trump's kids being terrible, nepotistical, you know. Uh, you know, ne'er do wells who haven't done anything but just inherit money and run their own well, companies to the ground one, and do right? charity fraud. I think it's comp. Well, yeah, the, the charity fraud for sure. But I think the uh, the difficult part would be that you know, obviously, it's still nepotism. But Trump's kids still technically have positions in the White House, uh, specifically yeah. Ivanka and uh, Jared Kushner, obviously. And, you know, obviously his kids are consultants and stuff and he talks to them a lot. So that one's complicated to just say, obviously it's nepotism, but it's a little more complicated to say that's fraud when they're actually collecting a legitimate paycheck from the United States government. But you are right that he should have had something to say. Um, you know, obviously it's a pretty low blow for Trump. It doesn't even make a lot of sense. Um, you yeah. Know, 
I mean, if you look but on in the other Washington, hand, like D.C., how many senators, House of Reps members, governor, you know, how many of their kids don't have cushy jobs on the chair of multiple companies, institutions, nonprofit? Like that has to be so par for the course of everybody in D.C., whether it's wrong or right. Obviously, a lot of Americans would probably think it's nepotism, maybe a little corrupt. But I mean, like. First off, it's the you know pot calling the kettle black on that one because Trump kids are you know nepotism up to their ears and everything they've ever done. But um, that's just a complicated one, right? But I, I see your point that he should have had a, a one line to to kind of deflect. Well, I mean, him. like you look at Jared Kushner and Ivanka, and they made like sixty eight million dollars like a year yeah. or two ago, and then like Jared Kushner got like that ridiculously preposterously corrupt looking bailout from. Uh, what was it? Cutter, the country cutter for yeah. that billion dollar loss business or uh, the business that he has at a six, business six, transaction six, that no one's investigated and they probably should. Right. <laughs> they probably should investigate. Um, so then, of course, um, um, the big moments of the debate were Trump not condemning right wing unrest and potential violence. And then Trump, of course, again, saying that he you know, is not willing to commit to a peaceful uh, transition of power. And then he went into long tirades about voter fraud, which are kind of unfounded by Trump's own FBI director. Oh, you know, and, my favorite uh, part of that, you know, my favorite part of that is that conspiracy theory he was peddling that they found a bunch of ballots that were marked for Trump in a fucking ravine or a creek somewhere. And it's like, if you're going to go to the extent of committing multiple felonies by committing voter fraud, stealing ballots, hiding them, destroying them, like, don't don't they have a shredder in the building where the ballots go? Like, why would you go hide it in a creek? Like, what kind of dumb two-bit criminals do you have doing your felony dirty work to try to steal yeah. the election? What a dumb thing to say. On the other hand, like, say. you, you uh, juxtapose that with the fact that Trump at his rallies has literally been telling people to vote more than once. <laughs> because he, <laughs> yeah. he thinks fraud is so likely and so easy. He was literally telling his own voters to go vote twice. And this is kind of funny, not from the debate, but just in the background. It's funny because his campaign is actually having to do damage control because uh, Trump has done so much work to discredit the idea of mail-in voting. But Trump's campaign is realizing like, hey, we actually, you know, we don't want to get crushed in mail-in votes and early voting. Let's let's try to, you know, actually tell our voters to mail-in vote and how to do it accurately and to not totally uh, tell the, you know, convince them that all mail-in votes will be, you know, from Trump. Trump will be a uh, fraud and all of that because, uh, you know, at a certain point, that's a valuable outlet for getting votes, which you kind of need to win the election. So it is kind of funny that, like, at the same time, Trump is discrediting the whole idea of mail-in voting. His campaign is actually doing damage control on that. Well, we'll see what happens. That's what they call the uh, the blue shift, um, which is a phenomenon they've noticed for more than just, you know, the 2018 midterms is that a lot of provisional ballots, mail-in ballots, et cetera, tend to go more democratic. So as uh, a lot of elections are, have typically been called on election night, over the next couple of days and weeks, as all the ballots are officially counted, the actual uh, degree or the amount of votes that the Republican won by usually, usually shrinks considerably. And the actual election uh, vote tally looks much closer than it actually you know was on election night and i think what we're going to see because donald trump has basically convinced his own people that mail-in voting's fraud they probably won't do it is that there's going to be a massive blue shift and it'll be interesting to see because if, if biden has won on election day and it's close uh it'll be a really interesting phenomenon to see him winning by an extra couple hundred thousand votes every day after the election going possibly into the millions because a lot of people are predicting that most mail-in ballots are people who are uh, registered, likely Democratic voters at this point. Yeah, and it's true in any way because uh, you know most liberal, uh, most Democratic votes typically come from, uh, or at least the biggest concentration of them comes from big cities, and obviously giant cities with voting precincts that have way more voters than like some rural small town somewhere. Obviously, the votes are going to be counted later. Well, yeah, um, but especially it, but with I COVID actually read something because I actually oh. read something that uh, that uh, it actually might backfire on Trump that the conventional wisdom right now is that Trump will have a massive lead at 7 p.m. or whatever when uh, the, the voting gets cut off and, you know, states can start legally uh, declaring, you know, who is the you know mathematical winner or whatever. But the uh, but because there's so many mail in uh, ballots. 
some states actually uh, process all of those ballots ahead of time. I think I think Pennsylvania and I think there was one more state, but there were only like a, like a very small amount of states that wait until the end of uh, the election to actually start processing that. So that might not even be true because some of these uh, important swing states are already processing the, the tallies right now, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Um, and obviously could backfire anyway because uh, – just looking at the 2018 uh, midterms and stuff could be an interesting phenomenon. We've talked before in the podcast about uh, some of the political scientists theory that it's not so much like which political party gets uh, the most amount of independence. The actual winner of elections is just who gets more of their people who actually agree with them uh, to actually vote for them. Right. So that the idea is that there's lots of Republicans and Democrats who don't typically vote in an election. And if you have an election where one politician is much better at getting his actual voters to go out and vote, uh, likely ends up, you know, having the biggest advantage towards uh, winning. And, uh, you know, if anything uh, is like the 2018 midterms, we could see a, a, a huge record breaking turnout among Democrats and the independents might not even matter, especially since. Yeah. Uh, uh, I would just add this. I, I, something funny the other day was, you know, Mitt Romney, you know, giving his reason for why he was going to approve Donald Trump's Supreme Court nomination. And he actually said the words, uh, this is a center right country in his explanation. Now, you know, first, right off the bat, it's kind of funny listening to Mitt Romney explain how it's a center right country since he lost to a Democrat in a presidential <laughs> yeah, election. Right. Um, but what I was going to say is, like, we'll see what happens if, like, uh, I saw a statistic that there's actually more registered voters. There's a higher percentage of Americans who are registered Democrats and registered Republicans. So of yeah. the people who actually bothered to put a party affiliation, um, you know, when they you know registered to vote or got a license, uh, there's actually it's actually a center uh, left country. Well, I mean, you could just look at the fact that Democrats have won the popular vote in six <coughs> of the last seven elections. So we've had some Republican electoral college victories and some Supreme Court decisions that have allowed Republican presidents to win in that time. But I mean, like, if you just go off the popular vote, I mean, six out of seven and like, you know, coming up this election, I think most people are, you know, I think the the conventional wisdom and the betting money is all on Joe Biden winning the popular vote, regardless of the electoral college. So, I mean, if if. Uh, if this is the seventh out of eight eight elections where Democrats win the popular vote, can you, you know, how can you even say it's a center left? Like at a certain point, isn't it kind of leaning toward like far left country in that regard? Well, um, yeah, especially when the electoral college basically makes uh, the winner of the election less about how many people vote, but like how much land right. or states votes for which party. And it's, and it's like, well, yeah. I was going to say it's interesting because, like, we talked earlier about how the polls are, you know, Biden's up in the polls by quite a bit. And a lot of the swing states, he's outperforming Hillary Clinton. Um, and, don't you know, Hillary Clinton won the popular vote, lost three important electoral mm -hmm. college states by only 10,000 votes. Um, and uh, Biden's which out was smaller than her. the margin of people who voted for Jill Stein, which will be really interesting to see because right. if the elections even the like assume the election is the same as it was in 2016, well, there's really no real third party running. Uh, Gary Johnson and Jill Stein were household names in the 2016 election. People talked about mm -hmm. them. They got hundreds of thousands of votes. That is not the case now. So you know, yeah. You know, and this time there's part only, of that there's is only one third party. Kanye, right. They were trying to get yeah. money on the ballot to create some kind of third party person to steal votes, you know, from from right. African-American communities. And then obviously, you know, some percentage of the young vote. Um, yeah. The third party this time is a libertarian. So because I mean, that's the only. Uh, Do you know who it is, though? Like, I don't even know them. by It's name. that woman, uh, Joe something. I don't remember her last name. Um, <laughs> but I mean, she might get. 2% of the vote. I mean, that's going to, you know, it, that could be what makes Trump lose in close swing states. You think um, she'll get 2% of the vote? I don't know. Maybe. Here's the <laughs> well, thing, yeah, though. There's a lot know. of there's a lot of undecideds. I think she's, I mean, maybe. I mean, there's so many Republicans who will never vote for a Democrat, but they know Trump's an idiot. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if she gets, you know, as much as 2%. There's still a lot of independents, though, and there's a lot of undecideds. And I think in general... 
you know, like Trump was actually really helped by the the late breaking um, undecided that kind of broke for the opposite party and a change in Washington. Whereas I kind of get the feeling that this time around, the undecideds are probably going to go for Biden, you know, more than Trump and aggregate. I mean, mm-hmm. you can't really I mean, there's you there's just no way you can say my life is way better and America is way calmer and safer, you know, and more uh, more stable than it was four years ago. So I think those undecideds are going to break for Biden by a pretty big margin. That would be my guess, you know. Well, it's a classic question, like, are you better off than you were four years ago? And I think with COVID, uh, you know, a stock market's kind of back, but people's jobs aren't. Unemployment's really high again, right. uh, comparatively. Um, there's quarantines, obviously. People have lost family members. Uh, here's a scary thing. It's like how many children have lost one or more parents uh, in the last year? And that's kind of sad to think about. You know, you know I think I saw yeah. a stat just in New York City. There's, you know, hundreds of kids who've lost a parent. And that's, you know, terrible. Or grandparents. Yeah. yeah. Sticking with the idea of polls, it's funny because Trump made his claim again that the po- that the real polls have him way ahead. You know, yeah. but that's kind of funny because it's like it's a paradox because the election is totally fraudulent. There's, you know, all of the votes and polls are rigged against him and all the real polls have him ahead. But he doesn't want you to have any faith in the outcome of the election. You know, it's like the kind of uh, he wants it both ways. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, so that's ludicrous. I mean, that's what he right. talked about in interviews in the 80s and 90s and stuff. I think part of it was, you know, you hear all these people talking about how Trump just says positive things. And he's one of those people who believe that if you just keep saying positive things, good things will happen. And you right. Know, he believes he, in the big lie <laughs> that if you say things enough, you know, some people will believe him. Yeah, which is great for publicity. It's really bad for, uh, you know, America's response to COVID. Right. Um, And then going into like Trump's tone, um, going with the polls, you know, most people, even if they kind of like what Trump is doing on taxes and regulations, you know, we've had many podcasts talking about how all of that's misguided and stupid. But like a lot of uh, a lot of kind of undecided voters or even leaning Republican voters, you know, they really don't like Trump's personality. You know, he's obviously... Uh, sticking his foot in his mouth all the time on Twitter, like even as even like MAGA diehard fans wish he wouldn't be so caustic and abrasive on Twitter. But like, you know, here going into the debate, Trump really did himself a disservice because a lot of undecideds that might be receptive to Trump and like things he's done on the economy and stocks. You know, which I mean, not to go down a rabbit hole, but the idea that the stock market being great right now is like it's so dumb to to like correlate that to a strong, healthy economy, because, you know, the stocks of like a handful of really rich companies going up and up and up has no bearing on the fact that minimum wage hasn't gone up in 10 years. And like everyone, you know, like Americans are just suffering economically with no help from Republicans. But beyond that, uh, well, I'm yeah, gonna go, go ahead. a little bit of a rabbit hole on this. The idea that the stock market is doing well is kind of stupid because what they're really talking about are the major indexes. You know, the major indexes that you see on news shows and people follow is typically the S and P 500 and the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Now, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is just 26 companies. It's not the best indicator of our economy as a whole. Uh, one of them, for example, is Boeing, which has had a you know shit two years. <laughs> Um, so, you know, that's a bad gauge for the economy as a whole. Right. The other is the S and P 500, which is supposed to track the 500 biggest companies in America. Uh, however, they're gauged by, you know, market cap. So like you basically right now have 20% of the S and P 500, which is supposed to be 500 companies, but you know, 20% of them is like Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Facebook, right? So it's not a good indicator either of how our economy is doing. So really you're talking about, you know, a big oversized proportion of these major indexes that Trump is using to gauge the economy as a whole is something like 30 to 35 to 40 companies, individual 
multinational companies that has almost no bearing on how you know 300 million Americans are actually feeling. More importantly, a lot of the people, or the I should say, a lot of the reason the stock market is back to where you know close to, or you know at least for the Nasdaq, which is another major index, the reason it's above where it was before COVID is simply because a lot of the people who were already rich and were unaffected by COVID are still just pouring money into the stock market. And that doesn't help the 300, you know, you know, the, the bottom 50% either, because a lot of them either don't have 401ks, or they don't have a lot of money in 401ks. And even if you just have a 401k, you're not even able to access it for years uh, until you retire. And, you know, who knows if there's going to be another recession, depression, multiple corrections between now and then. So the idea is, the whole idea is just stupid, especially when you have unemployment, you know, back to where it was uh you know years before trump even became president and it's not a good situation when you have eight percent unemployment especially when you were at five or even maybe just a little under or whatever whatever we had you know a full year and a half ago yeah anyway that's the end of my trip uh, yeah raid. <laughs> that's really i mean like everything trump campaigns on is really just the stocks when he talks about the economy never being better and even then i mean not to go too deep into economics, but like most of these stock companies, right? A lot of them are making short-term decisions to keep their stocks up, to keep that kind of like liquid stock money going. And they're not, you know, even a lot of companies that are actually making a lot of money and are profitable right now, quarter to quarter, they're not really long-term profitable. And I mean, especially because like how many companies needed a bailout, you know, for, a, you know, when the, uh, when COVID first hit and we started doing all these quarantines, how many giant companies immediately needed giant bailouts and even now like all these airline companies that like you know even when things ease up and we start going back to normal like are you know a lot of airline companies that you know they're having to lay off tons of employees already despite the fact that they were keeping employees on as well, kind of like a, a requirement for the bailouts well here's an important uh distinction there the, a lot of the airlines weren't laying people off they were basically asking people to voluntarily quit <laughs> so that the company as a whole could still qualify for the money from the federal government by yeah. not firing people. Right. So that's misleading. Another thing is the whole idea that Trump says this is the greatest economy in the history of America is something every president, with maybe the exception of Abraham Lincoln and you know Hoover you know, going into the Great Depression, could say. I think in the history of our country, every individual country has had a bigger economy than its predecessor, especially you mean since president. What did I say? Country. You said every country. Oh yeah, <laughs> every president. You know, in sequential order, has had the biggest economy in our country's history. Because Obama had a much bigger economy at the end of his term than George Bush did. George Bush had a bigger. Well, you know, maybe George Bush is another exception, given the uh, stock market tank. And the unemployment after you know the 2007 crash but my point still stands that that's kind of a dumb thing because you know the day after trump whether in 2021 or 2025 steps down from power that president the day after the week after the month after whatever can say i have the biggest economy in the nation's history <laughs> yeah because in terms economy, of inflation <laughs> well just in terms of inflation but i mean yeah we have slow economic growth that's typically below two percent or maybe it's 2% or higher, some annualized, you know, annualized, uh, important distinction there, uh, individual quarters. So the, the, the thing, this, I mean, it's just a dumb argument. Like, wow, you, you, you know, you're comparing yourself to the country four years ago uh, when it had millions less people, uh, millions less tax revenue, et cetera, blah, 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 blah. And like, what a dumb <laughs> thing to say. Now, you right. know, especially since his, his shitty response to COVID has temporarily halted or corrected what or you know even tanked the economy yeah. the stock market people's jobs employment you know what those speaking of covid that was another thing that really pissed me off about biden and it's like biden had bad prep like uh trump you know the only thing because he's done such a terrible job on covid and america has had such an outlier experience combating it and has such an outlier number of deaths and infections like, it's so dumb. The only thing Trump has is that in February, Biden said, we don't have to do the uh, the shutdowns and quarantines. But it's such a dumb argument because 
I mean, how many cases did we have in February? Like, like, uh, not like barely double digits, you know? Of course, Biden said in January and February, yes, right now when there's like 25 cases, we don't have to do a shutdown. And that's really what Trump is hanging well, his uh, hat on. Remember, he, he, sh- he closed the border with China. That's all he did. They were talking yeah, about Trump, closing the right, border yeah. with China. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But just in terms of uh, like quarantines and things like that, because originally, you know, like the CDC and Fauci were saying, yeah, not everyone needs to wear a mask right now. You know, like back when like all of our cases, we had like two cases and then that cruise ship that Trump didn't want to like land and let people on shore because that would increase. (laughs) He wanted to keep people in the ocean to keep our, you know, our tally going up. Like at that point, yes, Fauci and Biden were right. We didn't have to totally shut down our entire economy and do all these quarantines and stop all travel from everywhere but that's really all uh all trump has to hang his hat on of oh you know and then in the debate trump said that like you know if oh if you were president we would have had like a million deaths or something he said said something like that two million yeah that's so dumb but it's like that's that's just i don't you know I was very underwhelmed by Biden's uh, his performance. I don't know if like it was bad prep. You know, Biden is not as sharp as he was um, eight years ago. Like his debate against Paul Ryan was so badass. Like I remember, I remember watching that with glee. He kind of like put Paul Ryan in his place on so many answers and really, you know, coming after Obama's first debate performance against Romney, where everyone thought Obama lost. You know. Obama did a pretty bad job on that one. But then Biden came out swinging on Paul Ryan and kind of turned things around. And obviously, Obama was uh, more prepared and, uh, you know, he well, came back and won thing. the next two debates. This is going to be a good talking point now for uh, or changing the conversation to the future of the debates, if they have more. Because uh, I think that could be a good case study because uh, people say Biden probably won that debate, you know, if only because Trump himself lost it for himself by being a wacko and annoying. Um, but I would say, uh, looking towards the future, I, I think their their paths vary very drastically here because all Biden can do is do better, whereas Trump's not going to change, right? So Biden could could prepare a little more, maybe be a little more awake or alert. I don't know what's going on there. Um, yeah, I think but, Biden should take Adderall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I was joking. It was like I hope his uh, time release little mouth patch of uh, cocaine, you know, kicks in pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> let's let's get Biden uh, roaring and ready to go. But you know, so you know, it was a lackluster performance by Biden. But he didn't, you know, embarrass himself. He didn't say anything bad. You know, he didn't basically say I will ruin American democracy if it means I don't have to give up power. That was a plus. So in the next debate, if they have more, uh, Biden has nowhere to go but up. Uh, and Trump, obviously, I don't think anyone, even the right wing, could even pretend to say anything other than that Trump will still be Trump. So his performance will be the same, whether or not he yeah. cares more or less. And I think well, uh, uh, people a vanity, will a vanity Fair report came out today, uh, an article that was interviewing some Trump people, and Trump thinks he's Trump thinks he won. <laughs> and so, like a lot of like the Vanity Fair article was uh, interviewing some people close to Trump. And they were basically saying that, like, you know, they cannot stress to Trump, you know, like it's all yes men, first of all. So no one will actually tell Trump uh, or has the capacity or ability to convince Trump of anything he doesn't want to believe. But, uh, you know, Trump thinks he was just being himself and that, you know, he won the debate. Um, But part of me was honestly kind of surprised because, you know. For the next debates coming up, you know, Trump literally, if he loses, like, you know, Michael Cohen's in jail for a bunch of crimes for which Trump is already secretly indicted as, uh, what is it, Uh, individual one or co-conspirator one or something? Yeah. So somebody... Like his former, uh, you know, RNC finance guy, fixer, personal attorney is in jail for crimes that he directed and participated in. Trump knows that. Like all of these loans and debts that he has, like, you know, he really does have to be president to basically sell American policy to get himself out of these debts that he has. He's literally living off of credit right now. Um, And, you know, American banks haven't been lending him money since like the early 2000s. So obviously, you know, these are like business interests and banks from Russia, Turkey, Saudi Arabia, 
you know, oligarchs in all of these countries and who knows how many more. Like, Trump, you know, literally this is not the floor of the depravity and the lunacy he can debate. So part of me is actually kind of surprised that, you know, maybe he'll bring it out in future debates. But like, you know, that Trump is not going just berserk and calling, you know, if, if you take, I was thinking about this, if you take a look at Trump's Twitter and all of the things he says about Biden on Twitter on a daily basis, you know, but he didn't really get into that on the debate. Like, obviously, he was like a lunatic bitch kind of saying snide remarks like every 10 seconds and interrupted Biden and Chris Wallace like over 100 times. But can you imagine if Trump comes to the debate prepared to say all the shit he says on Twitter every day? Like how disgusting and depraved the debate can get. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that'd be pretty weird. So uh, what, what's your opinion? Do you think um, there should be more debates? Um, I mean, I, I think in terms of democracy and just like, you know, the publicity of the election, like, I don't know how you can really get around saying like, you know, like there shouldn't be debates between the two people that we are voting on to, you know, basically have the most important, most powerful job in the world. But on yeah. the other hand, it's like it is Trump. Like it, it literally is just a mud fight. You know, it's like, is America going to gain anything by two more debates of what we saw last night? Probably not. You know, who knows? You know, uh, America's reputation could be further ruined and sullied by, you know, I, you know, who again, you know, like last night was not uh, the floor. Like we can go way lower. You know, <laughs> it wasn't rock bottom yet. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, but yeah, that is an interesting idea. Like I said earlier, Chris Wallace is actually a pretty, you know, like the last debate or the last interview he did with Trump, like he's pretty strong. The next two, uh, um, debate moderators are kind of nice people. Like, will we'll Trump just happens, steamroll though, the, over them? Whatever that committee is on uh, presidential election debates has said there will be changes for the next debate. So we'll have to see and wait, uh, what kind of changes they consider, talk about, right. discuss, and actually implement. Can you imagine that though? Like the president of like the sitting president in the United States in a debate and they have to turn his mics off because he's <laughs> such a bitch. Like they literally have to like l turn the mics off on like the most prestigious, the most professional job in the world. <laughs> you know, sorry sir, you cannot talk anymore. You have lost the privilege. Well, I think to, it's to, been like, a talk. little I think it's been a little less prestigious <laughs> and a little less professional the last 3 years. <laughs> Here's an idea I've been thinking about. It's like, what do the debates matter that much? I think right now this whole election is just like whether or not you like Donald Trump or think he's the worst president in American history. Um, so the fact that Joe Biden is very old, uh, what if he just gets through the election, wins it? You know, he gets to play president for a little bit. Obviously, it's, you know, a, a career life uh, goal of a politician like him. You know, and then just saying, you know what, uh, I'm done. I'm just going to let Kamala Harris be president. And when people complain, just say, hey, I'm old as shit. When you voted for me, you know this might have happened. So you were really voting for Kamala Harris to be president. So here we are. And then just let her finish out the term, uh, which would be an interesting way to do it. Because, you know, you, you could talk about Biden could do very unpopular things. Uh, very early on that the country needed or Democrats wanted and just take the blame after he left uh, and then kind of give Kamala Harris a blank slate, uh, maybe a little more political capital or something. And then more importantly, uh, not be the guy on the ballot as the incumbent president in the midterms. What do you think? Uh, that would be very interesting. I wonder about that because, I mean, the same kind of thing, I guess you could say, could have happened with Ronald Reagan because, you know, Ronald Reagan had... Uh early symptoms of uh alzheimer's and stuff like that and like there's a lot of thinking that uh what's the guy's name james baker like the chief of staff and some of the other officials around reagan were kind of able to like insulate him and basically just kind of stage manage him through the ceremonial parts of the job but like kind of other people were kind of running things more than you know maybe people thought back then mm -hmm. um that would be interesting because there would be so many staffers around Biden and obviously, you know, Kamala Harris would want to like have her own people, I guess. Um, certainly that would that would, I, I, you know, I would love if Biden took two years, ran, you know, Democrats get the Senate and the filibuster and just start ramming through everything they want, like the dream list for two years. And then Biden just drops out and uh, 
you know, Kamala Harris starting a new presidency with, I guess you could say, like all kinds of new political capital, you know, with the benefit theoretically of Democrats having, you know, maybe two extra states and then four senators, um, you know, the voting well, rights act. Here's the act, best part like is if, if, if Biden waited two years and a day, Kamala Harris could conceivably be president for 10 years. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> she would finish out that term and then get reelected. Uh, yeah. Have two elections on her own. How mad would Republicans be <laughs> to have yeah. a, like another black president <laughs> and then, you know, well, not yeah, even well, get the chance to vote on it? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> maybe the racists in this country deserve it, right? To have another black right. president, a black female president that so soon after Obama. Yeah. I did hear one thing. Somebody was saying, like, I, this is kind of a dumb comment, but it was like a never Trumper actually saying that, like, you know, if Biden wins, we could conceivably have like Democratic governance for just years and years because, you know, Trump has kind of so soiled and ruined the Republican Party. Um, but that's kind of a funny idea. People, you know, people said the same thing when George W. Bush won in 2000, you know, like the midterms in 2002, that they were saying, like, oh, we're going to have Republican uh government you know for you know, forever or whatever a lot of people thought the same thing with obama like how will republicans possibly come back you know like obama took over and you know they had a you know before long they had a, a 60 vote majority in the senate uh, but well, you no, know that actually took a long time because of norm coleman suing al franken for every inch and in ballot during right. their uh, senate campaign so they only had a 60 uh, vote proof majority um, for a couple of months before the next midterms. Yeah, that's true. Um, but you know, you know, Democrats might win big now, but the uh, especially the Senate map just looks punishing to them. The next two, um, you know, the next midterm and then the presidential election. This just the map of the Senate looks so bad. I mean, right now well, that's why they need to add uh, DC as right. a state to get two more. First off, because it's the moral Democratic thing to do to take those like. I don't, how many people are in D.C.? Like 900,000. And, you know, American citizens who don't have Senate representation, that's pretty weird. Yeah. Uh, undemocratic, maybe even immoral, if you believe democracy is a good thing. The fact that we're keeping right. it from people in D.C., that might be immoral. Uh, but same thing for Puerto Rico. Might be. Uh, I would say it is mo immoral. Yeah. Well, here's, here's the interesting thing is everyone says, like, well, we should give them the right to vote for it. But, like, they are American citizens. And, like... Like, if they don't vote to become a state, they still get shit on every time there's a national, you know, a, a natural emergency there, hurricanes. They don't get any benefit or help from the federal government, typically, or it's much less than a state would get, or it's much less than they deserve. I mean, like, first off, like, if Puerto Ricans, like, I, I would assume they would want to be a state. Uh, but, like, what would that even mean if they voted against it? We're just going to have this, like, colony forever as a territory and they're all American citizens, but they don't pay federal taxes. And, and, you know, as climate change becomes more and more intense, they get, you know, buffered by another, I shouldn't say buffered, but hit by an extra hurricane every year or two or three, you know, just add another hurricane. They get hit by every year. Yeah. Are we going to uh, wait until they just get these... pummeled into citizenship or yeah. uh, into, into a statehood? I mean, it's so it's weird to think about, right? So like, why shouldn't they become a state? Um, I mean, that would, I mean, I understand why they should vote for whether or not they want it or not, but the whole relationship, if they vote against being a state, seems so so strange and yeah. diverse since they are American citizens. And a lot of, I mean, the poverty and the, you know, even little things like child mortality are so much worse there because of this weird relationship where they get fucked over by everybody and everything. Yeah. Uh, you get a lot of really liberal people online that if you bring up Puerto Rico becoming a state, they immediately say, this is colonialism, blah, blah, blah. They should get a say. And it's like, I think most people, when they say Puerto Rico becoming a state, obviously the state would vote on it. And it's kind of like, yeah. I guess, the assumption that they would vote for it. But I don't know. Just I see that a lot on Tumblr, actually. <laughs> like a lot of like yeah. real hardcore liberal people. You mentioned, like I posted something about like how Democrats should definitely bring in dc and puerto rico estates and get those senators and make the american government more small d democratic which you know typically when you make things small d democratic you make them big d democratic but then you know you get all i got all of these comments colonialism blah 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 and it's like all right go with it don't <laughs> it's not like it's not like uh 
you know, I guess a President Biden would mandate that Puerto Rico is now a state, you know, but anyway. Well, I guess uh, that's a good place to stop. Uh, we're Brain Milk Podcast. I'm Dash McIntyre. I'm Adrian Pope. Thanks for listening and enjoy the guitar solo. Thank you.